following program was paid for by the host. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JBC Broadcasting, management, or its sponsors. Now, Overdrive Radio shifts gears to entrepreneurs in overdrive as we speak to entrepreneurs and visionaries to inspire and to highlight local businesses in our communities. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Entrepreneurs in Overdrive. This is your host, Mike. With me in the studio, I have Taryn, my co-host. Hello. And my produce, our producer, Eric. I'm here. Hey. Okay, so um, today um, we really do have a very special guest. And so we have with us uh, on the line with us in the studio is David James Poissant. He is the author of a story collection called The Heaven of Animals. It's in print in five languages, winner of wow. the GLCA New Writers Award and Florida Book Award. These short stories, they appeared on American Scholar, Atlantic Monthly, New York Times, Chicago Tribune, just to name a few. Uh, David Poisson's new debut novel, Lake Life, hit bookshelves on July 7th. So he also teaches at uh, the master. He's a um, tongue tied. <laughs> <laughs> he teaches in the Master of Fine Arts program at UCF and lives in Orlando with his family. David, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Terrence. Thanks so much for having me. Well, we're really happy to have you here today. Um, so, Absolutely. Yeah. So, David, you know, uh, you have a, a novel that just came out, Lake Life. Um, but before we get into that, um, I know we'd love to hear kind of, you know, how you got started um, as an author. Is that something that you always wanted to do or is that something that kind of came later in life? No, you know, for me, the story's a little unusual. I think a lot of writers, they say they always knew from a young age they wanted to write. I, I was actually a really resistant reader to to my, my mother's disappointment. She was a librarian. <laughs> she could not get me to read. And in high school, I was the kind of kid who read the Cliff Notes. So it wasn't really until late high school or college that I, that I started reading seriously and then changed yeah. to an English major. So I went from no reading to all reading. Oh, wow. And uh, I taught... I taught high school for four years after college, and during that time, I just read voraciously, reading about a book a day and kind of educating myself, and then finally decided I was ready for some more school. And so I went to, to grad school in the University of Arizona and then did more college at the University of Cincinnati and studied English and literature and, and creative writing in a, in a Master of Fine Arts program, wow. um, and then just wrote and wrote and wrote and read as much as I could, and then um, finally landed here teaching at at UCF and and now yeah this is this is my second uh, book first novel. Awesome. Well, I will say this: you give a lot of parents a lot of hope, seeing that you were at one point a resistant reader, and look at you now. <laughs> yeah, I, I always tell parents, you know, it, it, the writing's not on the wall. You never know. And also, I tell parents, um, I love to tell parents, comic books are literature too. But the way my mom finally got me reading. She kind of tricked me by giving me comics, and, and I, I loved the art, and then I started reading them. Yeah. Um, and I think there's this misconception that, that comics don't count, but but with all the amazing graphic work being done today and the graphic novels being published, um, there's you know better graphic literature for kids than there's there's ever been in generations. So, Absolutely. so it's a great time to get kids reading yeah. however you can. You know, uh, it's funny. I always tell the story. My dad, when I was about, I think, uh, about 10 years old, came to me and said, um, you need to read. And I'm like, okay. And he said, I'll give you, and 
you know, back then, let's not give out my age, but back then (laughs) (laughs) a dollar was big deal. And he said, every book you read, you read, I'll give you a dollar. And I was hitting him like every day, every other day. And I'm like, okay, done. And he'll say, I'll quiz you. And I'm like, here's the book. So after a couple of times, he's like, my God, this kid's really reading. <laughs> it's, it's, I, it, it becomes, you're right. It's like, it, you're, you're, you're like, eh, do I really want to read? And then all of a sudden it's like you trigger this avalanche of, of, of love of literature and love of reading. It's, it's such a, such a great thing. And I hope honestly yeah. to cultivate it in our, in our kids. Yeah. As long as you can just flip that switch, whether it's with, with comics or with, you know, cold, hard cash. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's amazing what cash can do. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, what you say is is 100 percent, you know, in terms of having kids read, you know, to try to kind of get that um, passion or that love of reading comic books. I mean, my gosh, even putting subtitles on the television, you yeah. know, when kids are watching yeah. TV to read like anything to kind of kind of get that instilled in them. Um, but, you know, you definitely yeah. do give a lot of us hope. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> well, good. <laughs> so when you um, started, cause so, you know, you started your first book with The the Heaven of Animals. And I want to talk a little bit about your debut novel. Um, tell us a little bit how, you know, because I don't want to give away too much, but how those two books are connecting because of, you know, lake life. Sure, sure. Um, so, yeah, like, I think like a lot of writers these days, I, I started out with short stories as, as a way to kind of learn how to write. And then, um, you know, I was really proud of the first book, really happy with the, the collection, but I wanted to write a novel. Not, not that I think novels are, are, are better than collections, but they certainly, mm-hmm. um, they, they sell better and, and they can help make a career a little better these days. So I returned to two of the stories in the book who, who are about these characters, Richard and Lisa Starling. And, and uh, it's kind of the story of how they lost a child. Um, it's fiction. I, I have not lost a child, but uh, I, I wondered, you know, where they were 30 years later, and that kind of brought me to this this story of lake life. It imagines Richard and Lisa now; they're they're in retirement age, and their two sons are grown in their 30s, and they invite these sons to stay with them on at their lake house, which is really just a double wide trailer on uh, Lake Christopher in North Carolina, which is my my name for what's basically Lake Toxaway in the western part of North Carolina. The Highlands, Cashiers, mm. Asheville area yeah. of the state. Yeah. It's a beautiful area. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I grew up going up there once a week and, um, wow. every summer, uh, yeah. just in the summers. And, and it was, it was a beautiful time. And, uh, I wanted to capture that place, but also to, to think about these people and, and what their, their life and their marriage looked like. And, and, and that brought me into the world of this novel. And then I spent eight years figuring it out, but, uh, it's finally done and, and, and Simon and Schuster published it. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a, it's a novel that considers this family over the course of one long weekend and, and the three days while they decide, um, whether to sell this family home. And, and they also witness a tragedy in the opening chapter that, that begins to kind of redefine their, yeah. their marriages and their, and their family for them. Wow. Well, what I, what I like is, you know, you, you always have that, those books that you read the book, and then you do wonder, you wonder what happens to them later on, like what happens to them 10 years or 20 years down the road. Yeah. And I like that idea of taking these characters and almost allowing people to see almost later into their life, you know, of what's going on with them. Um, you know, so I thought that was a great, 
you know, a great transition, transition for them. For yeah, them. absolutely. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, you know, I, I wrote the novel to answer the question for readers about the stories, and then now I'm just getting letters about, well, what happens after the novel? So I can't <laughs> You know, it's <laughs> funny. That's exactly what I, I asked Terry. Yeah, yeah, yeah Mike, absolutely. That's what Mike said. He's like, yeah, I'm going to ask. This is the question I'm going to ask him. So ask him the question. <laughs> yeah, the, my, my question is, is, is this like a, a like a, um, like a, not a setup, but, you know, I mean, setting it up kind of like, you know, uh, what do they call it in, in, in uh, volleyball where you, you know, set up the spike, um, you know, oh, sure. <laughs> you know, are you like setting it up for the, for the slam dunk or the spike that, Hey, there's going to be a third one or a third part of the story, maybe as, you know, as grandparents or as whatever, obviously, you know, you're 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 hooking. <laughs> you're getting uh, us or your readers hooked to to the to, to the starlings. So, well, thank you. Yeah, I think you know I'm I'm deep into another novel right now that I'm definitely not going to tap the brakes on. But if enough people you know keep writing me asking what happened next, I could totally see you know a fourth book being being the story of these. This, these people as grandparents. Yeah, I would like to do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there was, uh, you know, a review of your book, which I absolutely love because I felt like it captured not only the book, but frankly, people's lives in general. Um, it was by Karen Joy Fowler. She's the author of Jane Austen Book Club, and we're completely beside ourselves. And she said, a beautiful story about family and especially about the paradox of adult children Vividly imagined and carefully rendered, Lake Life is both generous and unflinching. I loved every member of this functionally dysfunctional cast. <laughs> and the I normal, thought, right? <laughs> I love that because yeah. that's real life. I mean, when you think yeah. about it, that's everybody's life. You mm. always think that you're the only one that has dysfunctional family. And then lo and behold, you realize that everybody does. So yeah. almost that's the normal. Functionally dysfunctional. Functionally absolutely. dysfunctional. And I loved that. I thought that really captured it. Oh, thank you. No, thank you for highlighting that. Yeah, I mean, K- Karen Joy Fowler is one of my my favorite American writers, and to get those words from her was was a great yeah, day for she me. Is. She's a great um, it was just beautiful. But uh, yeah, I, I I mean, this is a dysfunctional family, but also I think every family is dysfunctional. I think any family that says it's not is just pretending. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, or or so, yeah, covering yeah. or you know throwing stuff in the cl- in the closet. I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. well, we got to take a break. When we come back from the break, I do want to, I, I do want to dig into your mindset as the writer, because that's always fascinated me. So join us after sure. the break. Entrepreneurs in overdrive, unfiltered, unafraid, on Florida Man Radio. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Entrepreneurs in Overdrive. This is your host, Mike, and with me in the studio, I have Taryn. Hello. And Eric. So this segment is sponsored by Feeding Children Everywhere. They are an amazing uh, charity that works to feed families across the United States and internationally. Uh, their mission is activating people for a hunger-free world. Yeah. We had the CEO of uh, Feeding Children Everywhere come Rick a Whitted, few weeks yeah. ago, Rick Witted, and it was just an amazing conversation talking about how um, we have to be a village because we have to take care of each other and we have to you know, help each other out, yeah. especially during times right just, now. Just, just imagine this, um, $40 will feed a family of 10 I'm sorry, a family of four for 10 days. Oh, my God. Talk about backwards. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm dyslexic today. Yep, that's the one. So the the cool thing is, is if you go to fullcart.org forward slash overdrive, you can donate $40, $80, $60, and it will help feed a family. Um, they also have this awesome feature on uh, fullcart.org where it's called Good Deeds. And if yeah. you click on that, you know, you might know somebody down the street or you might have a friend that you don't, you want to help them, but they don't want help. So maybe you need to help them anonymously. Um, and you're able to uh, donate money, let them know feeding children everywhere know where you want that money to go to, go to, to what family yeah, and they will help make that happen yeah so again for feeding children everywhere uh the website to go to to help feed a family uh for 10 days it is uh full cart f-u-l-l-c-a-r-t dot org forward slash overdrive uh, and, you know, just takes $40. That's it. It's a meal $40 out for your family. We'll feed a family for 10 days. So four people, it's worth it. 10 days. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Okay. So with us on the phone, we're going to get back to our exciting guest, David James. Do How do I say the last David, name? Yeah, David James Poissant. Am Poissant. I pronouncing it right, right? David? Yeah, that's Poisson. It. That's it. Awesome. So, David, um, before the break, I, I got to set up this question first. Um, okay, like uh, I'm a history buff. I love reading history. I read so many history books, I can't even tell you. I mean, and, and I, you know, I get in the zone, I sit there, <laughs> get out, you know, 20 hours later, read, a, you know, a 500 page book. But I can tell you uh, with history, the, 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 author is listing facts or maybe even a point of view but in a novel situation and that's why i'm setting up this question in a novel uh, as far as a novelist is concerned you've got so many characters and you seem to have in this in this novel at least i mean i've you know you seem to have looked at uh, or 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 actually made these characters kind of come to life to, to the point that I'm sitting there going, hold on a second. <laughs> um, you know, David, does he know, uh, well, he can't be everybody of everything. How, how do you, how do you kind of live that or, 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 or translate that into writing these characters and, and make them come to life as such great book, by the way. So, what? Oh, thank you. No, sure. Yeah, no, that's a great question. That's a hard question, um, and it's going to differ for every author, so I'll certainly only be speaking to my own experience, because, yeah, I mean, the cast varies. There are there are men and women. There are straight characters and gay characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I identify as a straight man, so so writing from other points of view is tricky and, and something I, I, I always want to be super careful with and super respectful yeah. when I'm doing. Um, so I'm, I'm always looking to, to closest friends, to people... Um, who I know well, not to not to steal their life stories, but yeah. to <laughs> certainly, um, you know, with their permission, borrow details from their lives yeah. or or attempt to see the world through their Eyes. their points of view yeah. as as they sort of explain it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also a lot of research to be done. You know, one of the the most interesting things about writing this book was I was dealing with a number of professions. So, so the father is this award winning mathematical physicist. I'm terrible at math. I know nothing <laughs> about physics. 
Um, and nor do I pretend to, but for the sake of the book, I had to read mm-hmm. some, some books. Um, yeah. You know, Lisa, the mother, is an ornithologist at Cornell. I didn't go to an Ivy League school, and, and I love birds, but I don't know much about them. So, so I did a lot of reading, a lot of studying. Um, so, yeah, interviewing people, drawing on the experiences of, of close friends and loved ones and, and mm-hmm. doing, doing due diligence with the research. I, th- I think those are essential. Otherwise, you know, you, you can find yourself in a position where you're, you're attempting to mimic voices of, of people you don't really understand. And then yeah. I think any, I think people will, will recognize the falsity of that and call you out on it pretty quickly. Exactly. So there's, so in other words, it's, it's not just, um, you sat there or, or, or a novelist would sit there or at least, you know, I don't want to say good and bad novelist, but a person that really wants to write and, and, and be genuine about what they write, which you are, obviously, you have to sit there and, and dig deep, do some real hardcore research, including reading books. Um, what else? Reading books, uh, tapping into friends, uh, um, uh, other friends' uh, lives, um, maybe watching shows. Yeah, I, I think, well, and I think you learn a lot of, about reading by reading. Um, there, there's this, there's, I think some early writers starting out think that either you have talent or you don't, or yes. you have inspiration or you don't. And one of the reasons I, I love teaching in mm-hmm. an MFA program and, and also teaching undergraduate level yeah. writing courses at UCF is because I really believe that writing can be taught. Like it's, it's no different in that sense than architecture, then woodworking, then roofing, which I did for a couple summers when I was in high school. Um, it's, it's a skill, it's a trade. It can be learned and it can be taught. Mm-hmm. And I think when we talk about writing, like it's this magical thing that the muse visits you yeah. and inspires you, mm-hmm. we, we lose perspective on the fact that no, there, there, are, there are techniques. There's, you know, beyond just the, the grammar level stuff, there are real techniques to structuring a story, building sentences, pacing, plot, point of view, characterization, um, and, and most of these things can be learned. And I think that, you know, students have to come in with a certain facility for language and a love of language that if, if they don't have is, is not going to help. But, but it's going to be very hard. But assuming you, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, assuming you start with a with the basics of, of and a love and appreciation for, for work at the sentence level, then, then yeah, I think you, you can absolutely learn the trade. Um, it's it's not just sitting down and then waiting for it to all pour magically. <laughs> right? Yeah, the yeah, way they you know, show the way it, they show it in movies. In, in movies yeah, exactly. The person sits exactly. in front of a mirror. I mean, in front of a window with this beautiful scenic, you know, waiting uh, for waiting the, for you the know, inspiration, inspiration, and then they just start typing <laughs> away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I've, I've, yeah, absolutely. It, you know, it's funny uh, that you said about teaching undergrads um, as far as uh, uh, that. What? In my opinion, I think, and and you correct me if I'm wrong, and and kind of lead me from 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 that thought, um, or or to that thought, or expand on it. It, it. it takes a certain type of person to teach. I don't care what level you're at. I've always said this. Will always think this and believe in this. That it really does. Whether you're teaching kindergartners or teaching undergraduate or even teaching postgraduate, it really does take a certain type of person to teach and excel at it. What do you think of that? I think that's true. Yeah, I, I mean, I, my wife is also a teacher. She teaches third grade here in Seminole County. Yeah, and um, she she is a natural teacher. I mean, she's been a teacher of the year. She's so good with the little ones, wow. and she just yeah. has a real love for it. Yeah. I'm definitely someone who who 
had to learn to teach. Um, I, you know, like I said earlier, I taught high school for four years and it was not a great fit for me. I did not do it as well. I, you know, that was my next question. The unins- <laughs> yeah, I, it, it, I, I've found I do well with students who want to be there. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not the dead poet society. Robin Williams. <laughs> like, I, I'm not trying to inspire the, the youth of a generation. I just, you know, if you come to me and you want to write, I, I'm really good at knowing my stuff and helping you get there. So, yeah. so the yeah. college level was, was a better fit. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I, I couldn't handle like the behavior problems in high school. In high school. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's funny because I think in high school, you, you, you hit it right on the head. I think in high school, the difference between high school and college, um, the the brain of, has matured a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's the behavioral issues that really... And you also, I feel like once you get to college, you really want to be there because you actually have that choice to mm-hmm. decide what direction you want to go in. Most, you know, most classes... I, I... I know a lot of kids in, 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 in well, let's not say kids, a lot of young men and women in, um, you know, in uh, uh, college, they take, they find themselves sometimes, you know, stuck with certain classes that they have to take. Uh, however, uh, I've always that was taken classes in statistics. Uh, see, that's one class I had to drop. <laughs> I just, I, my Freshman brain does not year, work that it was way. A Seven a.m. class. Can you imagine? Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah, I, I deliberately actually selected nine o'clock classes. I'm not an, a morning person at all. But um, you know, it's it's funny because I think most. Genuinely, most um, most young men and women in, in college, they they take classes. I, I want to say majority of their classes are are picked, hand, or you know they picked um, either because it's part of their um, you know uh, their uh, main direction or uh, major or part of you know part of uh, what they like. So that's that's they're more susceptible. Yeah. I- I hope so. You know, and, and I, I'm not one of those to say that everyone has to go to college. I don't think college is for everyone. Um, I think there are all sorts of, of alternative paths and great trade schools. But but for, for, yeah, for those who do go to college, I hope that they, you know, find their, their major and find what they want to do. And then they're there because they want to be there. And I've, I've definitely found that in my experience. That, you know, my students are fantastic. Mm. They, they love to learn. They love to write. And and uh, yeah, and to return to your original question from a few minutes ago, um, I think it's it's all about the reading, you know, it's not just about the research and interviewing people, yeah. but but we learned, you know, just like an, an architect has to look at a lot of buildings before they get a sense of what kind of buildings they want to mm-hmm. design. You have to read a, a bunch of books before you get a sense of, of, you know, what kind of a voice you want to bring to your own work. And so exactly. I think that the best part of education is just the teacher's opportunity to uh, show you all the books they love. Uh, Absolutely. The, Absolutely. There, there's yeah you don't write in a, in a void or in a vacuum. And every once in a while I'll get an undergrad who will say, well, I don't want to read because I'm afraid if I read too much, you know, my voice, <laughs> my, my, my voice will be sullied by these other voices. And <laughs> I would tell them like, you would be lucky for your voice to be yes. sullied by Hemingway or Alison uh, Rowe. Exactly. You know? so, exactly. Or Shakespeare um, or something like that. That's amazing. Yeah. So even when I, you know, even when I have students who I don't think will go on to be writers, I, I love to think of myself as just a reading teacher. Like my, my goal is to expose them to as many mm. beautiful stories and writers as I can. And yeah and hope that at the end of the day they have, they, they have new books that they can read for the rest of their lives. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. When I was, uh, I think in high school, 
and uh, you know, a, 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 a teacher that really cared. Um, and I'm trying to think of who it was, but someone had told me this, um, and I, and it, it kind of stayed with me all my life. They said, "What you ultimately hope to do is not to drown out that voice that's yours." but to combine all these other voices and kind of have them all pour into that, that, you know, as, as little, um, you know, uh, whatever they call it. Yeah. Yeah. Ravines or whatever into, into the main river that is you, you know, and just widen it and make it deeper and stronger, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, sure. It's no, no, that's, that's, I love that. I I love that because it is, it's a symphony. It's a synthesis of all those other voices and, and you, you pull, a little bit from this writer and a little bit from this writer. And before long, you know, y- your voice is your own and it's unrecognizable, but it's, it's got all these little, little tributes to other writers in it. Absolutely. Yes. 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 As, as someone said, um, you use it the first time you say so-and-so said the second time you say <laughs> a friend say of mine said yeah, yeah. <laughs> the third time you it's say, I've always said, <laughs> <laughs> David, with, um, you know, with the book coming out at the beginning of July and obviously with COVID and everything going on, what had to change in terms of having like a book tour and all of that? Tell us a oh, little bit of how that's kind of changed for you. Yeah, the world is very different now, um, you know, as we all <laughs> yeah. know. And, yeah. and um, so when we were, we started planning this book tour back in February for the publication date of July 7th, and it was going to, it was going to begin here uh, with, Writer's Block Bookstore on Park Ave in, in Winter Park, Florida. And then I was going to drive up to North Carolina for this, this festival called the Wild Goose Festival and read at some North Carolina shops and then go up the coast and and uh, had, had events at Harvard Bookstore and McNally Jackson in Manhattan, some other wow. New York oh, wow. and Boston bookstores mm-hmm. with a, another writer friend, Mark Polanzik, who launched a book in May. Um, and then, of course, the, you know, everything had to be canceled, and I wanted to cancel it for, for the safety of, of myself and, and for anyone who who would want to come. So, um, you know, no regrets on, on canceling, but what happened was this interesting thing started. I realized that all the bookstores, not all, but many bookstores were, um, adopting this, this new platform, which is they're doing virtual book launches through zoom or through Facebook live or through crowdcast. And so, you know, my, my the the night of my launch of the publication of the book, Writer's Block, opened up Zoom, and and we had over 150 people tune in from from all over the world, not just from from Florida, but from wow. Argentina and Italy, and and that was something I you know I by afterward I cried because I I I had wanted a face to face launch so badly, and if I would had it in the bookstore, we might have had 50 people there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. to do it online like that, I was able to get friends and strangers from all over the world in one place. Um, I, I, it was like I was dead. I was looking at the screen <laughs> at all these faces <laughs> and people I knew from different chapters of my life, oh, and I'm like, yeah, did I, is this my funeral and no one told me? Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was kind of a, a beautiful thing. And, and since then, I've done a number of these, and I'm going to continue to do them all through the, the summer and into fall for different bookstores and different universities. And it's not as fun as, as getting to meet writers face-to-face and have dinner and, and hug people and shake hands. But um, it does seem like there, if you work harder at it, there is the opportunity to reach people and to form new readerships with the technology because you can – you know, you can be reading in Orlando and have someone tune in from Seattle. It's 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 kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it, if if you think about it honestly, um, 
it's while it's it was a very sour lemon that we got dealt <laughs> very 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 sour lemon this this uh, covid thing however honestly i mean with technology a lot of it has turned into a very sweet lemonade you know um and yeah yeah i think that's true and and you know it's it's really benefited i think everybody you're right the fact that that you can be at your home in uh central florida um and and you have people like you said from italy argentina from different parts of the world that are listening to you um and talking to you and and you're seeing them you know after uh or having a sort of a reunion with them after so many um years or whatever that's definitely amazing Okay, we uh, we have got to stop for a break, and uh, we'll come back and uh, talk in our last segment to uh, David and uh, finish talking about this amazing book of his. Join us after the break. Entrepreneurs in overdrive, unfiltered, unafraid, on Florida Man Radio. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Overdrive Radio, the Entrepreneur Hour. Overdrive Radio is sponsored and brought to you by Universal Tire and Auto. Visit us at universaltireandauto.com for all our specials and the good stuff and all the links and what have you. So with us, we have David James Poissant. He is the author of Lake Life, which just hit the bookshelves on July the 7th. So David, you still there? Yes. Awesome. Yep, okay. I'm here. So we have just a little bit longer before we have to unfortunately end the show. But I wanted to you know, tell the listeners a little bit more about the novel um, in that one thing that I noticed when, when I was reading it and it it talks a lot about the transitions of when you have children that are becoming sort of adult children. And I kind of view when you're watching your children grow, it's like the definition of what bittersweet means. You're so happy and you revel in everything that they're doing. But at the same time, you miss those cuddles on the couch and, you know, picking up their toys and tucking them into bed at night. And I really could see that in the character of Lisa when she's looking at her grown children. Um, so oh, I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I found that yeah. to be really like intense. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of me and in, in, in Lisa in the novel and my wife and I are the parents of, of two girls. They're twins. Uh, they're turning 11 this month. Um, so, you know, we love our girls a lot and there's a lot of, of love for children in the book. Uh, but I think what's, what's, what the novel is trying to do too is is it's it's dealing with older you know grown children, and it's it's asking this question about Michael and Dad who are in their thirties and who are going to you know be part of this generation that'll be the first generation in a while that that won't do as as well financially as their parents because of the economy. Yeah. And so it, it's looking at this question of if if you especially with you know their parents are these PhDs who teach at Cornell and they're these very high achiever people and their their sons are not they've 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 followed in the sort of failure to launch path that we sometimes see, and um, mm, yeah. even you know at the point where they might have to move back in with their parents for a while if they don't get back on their feet. And so it's it's looking at this this interesting time in, in American. You know, the novel set in, in 2018, so it's looking at this time in American history where, yeah, a lot of a lot of these these young guys don't grow up, and then they they're not doing well. And the parents feel like they've failed them, but then there's a lot of questions about, you know, who failed whom, to what degree is the economy to blame, to what degree uh, are these guys to blame, 
to what degree the parents to blame, and then in, in the case of one of the sons, to, to what degree is his is his depression and, and mental illness to blame? Yeah. So yeah, it's but it's ultimately yeah a book about parents loving their children in spite of all that, regardless of achievement or mental illness. You know, just loving your kids and offering grace and and truly unconditional love. Um, that that's that's ultimately the the message that I want readers to take away. So so yeah, you're highlighting. Lisa just you know standing in the doorway and watching her son sleep and loving them. That's, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's that was that's an important passage to me, and so I'm I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, well, it definitely it touched me for sure. Um, yeah, I was a very good, you know, really connected uh, to her character. If people want to buy the book and read the book, where can they do that? Sure. Well, you know the the book is is out from Simon and Schuster, which means it's pretty much available anywhere uh, in terms of online, Barnes and Noble, and Amazon, and all the usual places. If if they're listening locally, um, Park Ave CDs in the um, uh, downtown, as well as, as, as Writer's Block Bookstore in Winter Park, okay. is carrying uh, signed signed copies of the book. Ooh. And then, um, yeah, they can they can order it from any independent bookstore or through IndieBound or, or really wherever wherever books are sold. Yeah, awesome. And then to be able to kind of keep up with any more, um, you know, book launches that you're having, like through those Zoom con- conversations you were saying that for the book tour, where can people find that information? Yeah, so uh, the the website is www.davidjamespoissant.com. Um, I also advertise them on on Twitter and Instagram. The handle just at DJ Poissant. and then um, I I have a Facebook page that that anyone can follow, and and that usually announces all the upcoming virtual events and readings. And they can search uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter uh, for uh, DJ uh, Poissant, right? Yep. Yep, okay. and Poissant is spelled P-O-I-S-S-A-N-T. And we also have links uh, through the advertising that we've done on Overdrive, so you guys can click on there oh, and, and connect with David wonderful. as well. Wonderful, thank you so, so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really was, you know, a, a great novel to read, and I really encourage everybody to pick it up. You know, we, we do have now some time to rest and relax, especially, you know, kind of hanging out at home, and I think Lake Life is just a really great read uh, right now for everybody. So, um, thank you, David, we're really glad that you were able to join us today, um, and talk about, uh, your, you know, your career and and what's inspired you and how, um, you have the adventure of Lake House. Yes. Yeah. The adventure of Lake House (laughs) and, and, you know, how everything has just kind of, you know, come full circle for you. Um, you know, so it's been really great having you. Absolutely. No, Uh, thank you. Yeah. My pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, well, again, as as Taryn uh, stressed out, uh, it was definitely a pleasure having you. Uh, it's uh, it definitely has has uh, you've you've elevated uh, the the conversation for us today, and it, hopefully in the future, sometime we'd love to host you back. And I want to ask you that question. Hopefully, both of us will remember the who failed who. When you said that, I'm like, damn it! I wish we had another hour. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah, I know absolutely. we could definitely sit here and on on a, on a on a on a complete intellectual level just have that conversation where we we kind of dig deep into that subject. Because I'll be honest with you, that's unfortunately something that we're seeing more and more and more of, where the parents, uh, you know, uh, our parents' generation had performed so well, it fell back to the generation after. Who, by the way, 
on by statistics, statistics and averages have gotten better education and better this and better that and whatever. Yet somehow, somewhere, the statistics are not favorable to the second generation for some reason. So hopefully yours generation and my generation will fix that for our children. Here's hoping. I hope so. I yeah. sure do. Yeah. So that's awesome. Well, it was great having you, my friend. And uh, hopefully, um, hopefully we'll do another episode sometime and discuss that because I really would like to sink my <laughs> teeth, in, uh, teeth into it. Again, if you um, if if you are listening, uh, visit fullcart.org. Back, uh, I can't talk today. I'm <laughs> Backslash. To, this is a nice exit. <laughs> All right. Fullcart.org forward slash overdrive. Forward slash. Okay. Yeah, right? Forward yeah, slash overdrive. overdrive. Yeah, okay, that's feeding children. Thank you. Feeding yeah. children everywhere. Help feed a family. $40. We'll feed them for 10 days. You know, you can't beat that. Again, David James Poisson was our guest today. Go get his book, Lake Life. You can find it everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I can tell you this, um, you know, I, I just want to end with this thought. Uh, again, and, and people will look at me and say, Mike, you're talking about COVID again. Yes, I am. Um, unfortunately, it's the new reality, the new things. And as we can see, we've seen earlier uh, our first guest, the mentalist, um, graciously uh, with us, uh, how his business or he had to take a, a kind of a different approach to things. The same thing has happened again with David um, uh, Poissant, uh, as far as the book tours and everything else. Hey, yes, this is the new um, the new reality, the new things that we have to deal with, at least for a while. But you know what? It's out there. Technology's been good to us. We have it. Let's just not give up on things and let's just work with technology and kind of um, help promote what we have. Just the fact that we had something like COVID does not mean that we have to stop being, um, our, you know, bury our creativity and say, oh, I'm just going to wait for this thing. No, don't do that. We need to. We absolutely have to, have to, have to continue. And if for nothing, for our kids, because those kids are looking up to us so we can show them the way. You don't want to come across as the guy who dropped the ball you want to come across as the winner that grabbed it and ran with it no matter what it was and scored that damn touchdown at the end thank you for being with us this week it's been a great episode looking forward to our next week we've got some wonderful lineup for you join us next week have a wonderful weekend everybody